Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Portions of the Oilers Now podcast are brought to you by ProAmSports.ca. 6.30 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office equipment solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio. 6.30 Chad. It's 105 at Edmonton. Bob Stoffer in Ice District uh, wrapped up the Peter Shrelly presser around 12.30 today. Here's what we're going to do. This is the second hour of Oilers Now. It's brought to you by Digitex. 630 Chad uses Digitex for their copiers, their printers. Their service is excellent. They now sell supplies for all brands of printers at big savings. Visit digitexsupplies.ca. Craig Simpson's coming up in 29 seconds time. He is, of course, with NHL Hockey and Rogers, our regular Wednesday contributor. After Simmer, uh, after Craig Simpson from one 23 on, we will open up the phone lines on our River Cree Resort Casino hotline, 7804960063. Again, I got Larry the Cable Guy, April the 14th at the River Cree. You can also text us, and we got hundreds of texts in. Uh, a lot of people aren't happy with what Shirelli had to say. That's what happens when your team doesn't make the playoffs. And you can text us at 630-630 for Westlock Ford. If you're looking for a new vehicle, go see Paul Olson at Westlock Ford. Check out the great selection today at westlockford.com. Worth the drive to get your new ride. All right, without further ado, a man working the Boston-Toronto series. Uh, he is in Beantown today. We welcome back to the show, Craig Simpson. Hello, Craig. How are you? Bob, how are you? Uh, not bad. Not bad. Uh, I can tell you that uh, the venom is out there. So after a couple days, obviously, with the uh, the shock of the Humboldt tragedy, um, uh, I think that started to wear off for a lot of the fan base, and right. they're 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 back bringing it. And I I just wanted to give you an opportunity, uh, if you to not to put you on the spot, but just to encapsulate your thoughts as a uh, a, a hockey player, as a coach. Um, as a father of hockey players, as a guy who spent a lot of time on the bus, um, as a guy who knows uh, family members uh, that have been impacted by this, I'm sure this is a very difficult thing that uh, the entire hockey world is going through and uh, and something that uh, I'm sure has been difficult for you as well. Yeah, it's been a very difficult week, and you can only imagine what uh, the 15 families and all the people involved are dealing with. Uh, Obviously, personally, Uh, Chris and Andrea, Joseph, it's heart-wrenching for us to see two friends and a teammate and a really good member of our community having to go through losing uh, their son. So it's it's like I said on Saturday night, our our broadcast on Saturday night was probably the most difficult to prepare for that I've had in all my years, and uh, it was hard to stay um, from you know tears in your eyes and your voice quivering to listening to the stories and uh, almost uh, you know feeling their heartbreak and it's the worst phone call you could ever imagine as a parent and uh, you know just how sacred your kids are and uh, it's a real tragedy and you know it's amazing the strength that has come out of it some of the stories of the families and how much they've bonded together but it, it it's such a, a needless tragedy that it's very difficult to handle. Craig Simpson joining us. Craig, of course, uh, was traded to Edmonton in the Paul Coffey trade with uh, Chris Joseph. Uh, this is Oilers Now. Peter Shirelli, before we get to the playoffs, Craig, uh, I want to yep. get your thoughts uh, um, 
Peter hit on several topics. And one of the topics that, uh, you know, certainly is getting a lot of play here at Edmonton on our text line uh, is the fact that he he gave no definitive uh, response other than under evaluation on the coaching staff. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm not surprised. I mean, the only way, uh, the first and foremost, those kind of press conferences are are never going to be one that people will get much uh, positive out of. Uh, I, I don't think they're one that you can really give the right answer uh, to, to those who are asking. Uh, I don't think there's necessarily, you know, uh, an overreaching answer that all the fans are going to be happy with uh, unless you had come into that uh, with the mindset that you have significant change and this is what it's going to be. I think you are in a situation where you have an overview of um, evaluate what's going on. you got to be honest with what failed and what didn't over the last year or year and a half. Uh, and, and I think that uh, it's probably prudent if I don't think any of us thought that it was going to be a, a message today that uh, Todd McCollum is gone. So with that being said, I think it's kind of natural that he was, you know, not specific on any uh, definitive change at this point. But I think that'll happen within the, you know, the the weeks ahead anyways. Craig Simpson joining us uh, from NHL Hockey and Rogers. You brought up two weeks ago the amount of assistance that Detroit went through over that 10-year span where they made the playoffs. It's funny. You mentioned that on the air, and people go, well, Stoffers undermining the current assistant. I mean, it is a statistic, and, and the reality of the situation, Craig, as you know, is even good teams make changes to their coaching staffs during uh, off-seasons. That comes with the territory. Yeah, and, and you know, ultimately, you hope those changes are born out of assistants becoming head coaches somewhere, right? right? You know, that's not always the, the case. Uh, I know in Mike's case, it was on... On two or three of the occasions of uh, their assistant going either down to the American League or Todd McCollin going over to San Jose, uh, you know I think ultimately as a staff that's what you're hoping is to promote guys to new spots. I, I just think you know going back to Peter's discussion on evaluating the the coaching staff, uh, nobody wants to see anybody you know lose their job. As I said last week, you, you've got people with families, you've got people trying to make a livelihood. So I, I don't think any anybody takes it lightly in terms of evaluating and just making snap uh, decisions. But, you know, this is one of those years that some of the key things that, that, that failed throughout the year would be one of those evaluations is saying, well, what can we do to make some different changes? Maybe bring a different style, maybe bring a different voice. And as I said before, I, I I know nothing in the, the sense of, of anything happening, but I would not be surprised if there would be some changes within the staff. All right. Uh, Peter said today, you know, we had enough offense. Last year, the Oilers finished eighth in the league with 247 goals. Craig, yep. this year, the Oilers finished 20th with 234 goals. Um now, scoring went up largely in part because numerous power plays were above 20%. Yeah. We all know the Oilers dropped from fifth in the league, 22.9%. The high, That's the highest percentage since before you were uh, you were in Pittsburgh when the Oilers, uh, in your rookie year in 85-86. Uh, that's the last time they were up above 22.9%. And at that time, there were lots of power plays that were between 23 to 28% for about a seven- or eight-year window going in from the late 70s into the mid-80s. And part of that was goaltending, you know, defensemen, not uh, some D-man c- couldn't turn both ways, those sort of things. So 
I mean, it's it's interesting because the team scored 56 power play goals last year and only 31. So when you factor that in, they actually scored more even strength goals this season than they did last year. Uh, what's your interpretation when Shirelli thinks uh, there was enough offense this year? Well, I, I think he's, you know, part of where this team is going to grow and success. And what, what I thought that they really improved on and grew on last year, which is one of the reasons why they, you know, were a playoff team and were in the mix, was I just felt on a, on a game-to-game basis they were a much more uh, disciplined, tighter defensive team. And I, I can't think of how many weeks, uh, Bob, that when we talked on this show that we didn't talk about, you know, the misplays defensively. So I, I think if I were uh, in his role, you know, you need to make some change that you hope, okay, guys had a couple of guys had the off years that you would have expected maybe 10 goals more uh, or 15 more between two or three guys. And all of a sudden, you're back into being an, an okay offensive team, and you, you think that Connor is well on his way to continuing to not only add offense himself, but make other people around him be a little bit better offensively. So there needs to be less of a drastic change in that. I, I really felt that their defensive overall team game just took a huge step back uh, this year. And, and how many times did you see just you know, egregious breakdowns that uh, almost embarrassingly. And so if I were looking at the focus of what has to happen, it's not like, okay, we got to be a, you know, score 40 more goals next year. We, we got to get about 25 to 35 less goals, uh, you know, at least a half a game where uh, you're, you're giving up 40 less goals over an 82-game season. I, I think there's no way this team is going to get back to being in every year playoff team unless they're uh, a much better defensive team uh, front to back. In 15-16, Todd's first year, the team gave up 245 goals, came up 27th. Uh, Last year, they sliced 33 goals off of that, down to 212, which was 8th. And then this year, they went up to 263. Which yeah. again, well, there's your 40 goals there. It gets you back into that mix, right? And, 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 really and then you're not giving up empty net goals because you're up in games yeah. at the end of games instead of chasing. And then away well, you go. You know, I, and I, I've said for I don't know how long we've done this show together, Bob, but uh, you know, for the years that this team was not making the playoffs, I, I cringed every time. Uh, people kept talking about all oh, this offensive team and talented young team. But listen, I do enough games around the league. There are a lot of talented teams and a lot of good, uh, talented players. The, the thing that always struck me was the mindset of that team was, oh, we can create offense and we're skilled and we're fast and all that. But never was the discussion that you got to be a good uh, 200-foot team and be a solid defensive team. The, the teams that are going to be buying for the Stanley Cup over the next two months are teams that know how to check and they know how to play at both ends of the ice and they can shut you down when they need to. And I, I, I just think that the mentality of the team has to be, okay, we've got some skilled players, but how do we play collectively as a team? Are we hard to play against? Do we protect the puck? Do we turn pucks over? Do we have good sticks? And I thought last year the team made great strides and quite frankly, right from the beginning this year, I, I thought it just uh, quite you know, incredibly just went away. And they were anything but a good defensive team all year long. Well, uh, the goalie would be the first to tell you that he needs to play better. Obviously, you had 
significant statistical regression and some injury challenges for uh, both Oscar Clefbaum and uh, Andre Sekra. But every team in the league, as you know, Craig has injuries, and that yep. also speaks to puck support defensively from the forwards as well and not cheating. Uh, it, it is interesting, Craig, because I'm trying to think what year you uh, joined the Oilers coaching staff, because in 2001-2002, the Edmonton Oilers finished second in the NHL in goals against and missed the playoffs. Now, the, the team missed the playoffs, like, by two or three points. Yeah, that I year. think it was by the end, yeah. Right? Uh, that was before me, but that, I mean, the offense is something that you you always need to be focused on. Do you have enough skill? Do you have enough guys who can finish? Uh, but I, I just think that somewhere in whether it's the message or, as Peter was saying, the execution or the planning, definitely the execution from the players, it, it really just became something that they were never able to dial in on. And uh, as I said, you know, you look around the league and there's some teams that can score goals that allow themselves maybe to uh, mirror some of the defensive uh, discrepancies that they have. But, you know, I think if you're going to look, for long-term success, you have to have that balance of your team that can play at both ends of the ice. Is Cam Talbot a number one for you? Well, I think, you know, if you look at one of three years, he's shown he has been. So uh, I, I think the thing you worry about if your uh, management coming up to another contract is, okay, if he can dial it back in and be a number one guy like he was last year, uh, if he can do it next year, you got to give them the benefit of the doubt. Uh, But you worry a little bit that, you know, part of the challenge of being a great number one goaltender in the league is that consistent level. Can you do it each and every year? Can you do it over 56 to 60 games during a a regular season? You know, that's one of the most toughest positions to play in. And when when a player goes from 70, 80 points to a 50, 60 point season, yeah, you might... uh, turn your eyebrow up a little bit, but he usually doesn't have the kind of impact the goaltender when he has an off year. So next year, you know, obviously is just a huge year for him, and I think he can prove he's going to be a number one. I don't think he's a, you know, top five goaltender in the league, but I, I definitely think he's in the upper half of a, of a starting goaltender. Well, I got the distinct possibility uh, when I asked the question, do they need a better, I basically said, do they need a better backup, that the Oilers are certainly entertaining that option, uh, and with all due respect to Montoya, but Montoya has yeah. been a 10 to 15 game starter, and I think the Oilers need a 25 to 30 game starter, and we might see a better Talbot as a result of that. All right. Well, we hit on a bunch of things there from an Edmonton-centric perspective. We're joined by Craig Simpson, former Oiler player, Oiler coach, lead analyst for Hockey Night in Canada. And uh, there's some great playoff series. Unfortunately, Edmonton isn't in any of them, which is a bummer for everybody involved and everybody in our marketplace. What is the vibe like with Boston and Toronto? Because the Bruins didn't close it in the most necessarily positive fashion this year in the regular season. No, they, they, they wavered a bit. And, uh, you know, I think Bruce Cassidy said today here when we went to the practice rink that, you know, they they didn't think that Tampa was going to give them the opportunity, really. I, I mean, they had nailed down. They had sort of felt they were going to be in second. And when they got the points and Tampa didn't on that Saturday, he just felt that his team didn't have much left. You, you remember they, they had an incredibly busy uh, schedule. There was one point uh, back in February that I think the Leafs, had five more games played than Boston did. So you know as you're looking down the stretch, 
you got to make those up. They had to cancel game in January that they had to play on Sunday. And I just think mentally, physically, they were a little spent. So uh, they had Monday off. Uh, I, I just think that this is a really good matchup. It's two teams that are, when you look statistically, they both can score. They're top five in scoring. You know, defensively, the edge goes to the Boston Bruins more than the Leafs, but power play, penalty killing are both top five. And so uh, I just think it's going to be a really exciting matchup. And, you know, there's a lot of young guys. I I think in many ways, Boston this year is much like the Leafs were last year. You know, the rookies really having an impact. He tried to sort of dissect the rookies into one line. Uh, each had sort of a, an older mentor, and they felt that the, the young guys like Jake DeBrusque, uh, like Charlie McAvoy, would be ready to play in April and have the experience. So we'll, we'll see. It'll be fun to watch because it'll be a really challenging series. Uh, when you make a mistake or you turn the puck over, both these teams have great transition and have the ability to put the puck in the net. Well, I think, Bruce, I mean, for me, I don't know how you voted, Craig, but I had uh, Cassidy, number two, behind Gerard Gallant at number yeah. one, and then I had uh, Benner, number three, in Colorado. Uh, yeah, it's hard not to uh, admire the job that Bruce has done. And I, right. I think he was the right uh, right coach for a young team with, with eight. Well, they had ten at one point rookies that have at least played one game, but the eight core guys, uh, I think he's a good communicator. He, he shows them some trust. And let's face it, he, he's got a team with the experience and all the key positions yes. that allows him to, to allow the players to be the mentors going forward just as much as that. Well, here's here's my perspective on this, Craig. I, I want Boston to win the series because if Toronto wins the series, we're never going to hear the end of it. But I actually think Toronto's going to win the series. And I know most people are picking Boston. You know what? It, it'll, be a, it'll be a really difficult... Uh, win for either team. Uh, the one thing I want to see, if Toronto can can prove that they can still be a really dangerous uh, offensive team, like they are, uh, you know, they have that ability to score in bunches. They're tied for third in the league at goals four, but they need to prove that they can continue playing good offensive hockey without giving up defensively, and that's something that they haven't, you know, over the course of 82 games, they, they've given up three Three goals, four goals, far too often, but have been able to score the way out of problems. And and the challenge come playoff time. You go back to last year's uh, series for them against Washington. You know they basically they had five overtime games. They lost four to two in the series. But the last couple, you know, Washington won a couple of close two one games. And that's where you have to prove: can you continue to be a really good defensive team, but not give up your offensive? push and i think that'll be the next step for for toronto and if they can do that i think they could handle boston and it'll be interesting to see if boston's uh, you know younger players can play at the same level that they did during the regular season when it counts the most here in the playoffs craig uh in 30 seconds or less give me a team out of the west and a team out of the east that meet in the stanley cup final oh gosh uh, i'm never good at that kind of stuff I, I i i would say i'm really intrigued to watch winnipeg i you know i hope that they have some success. They would be a fun team to watch. I like their makeup. I like uh, how they play the game. So uh, I know just to tick the NHL off, wouldn't it be something if you had the only two Canadian teams in meeting in the final? Oh, you are a Rogers man through and through. See, and I've grown up listening to Brian Hall. So, you know, I'm taking Nashville and uh, I'm taking Nashville and Tampa Bay. 
But if it ends yep. up being Winnipeg and Toronto, I'm going to say, see, I told you it was going to be Winnipeg and Toronto. <laughs> You got it. All right. Hey, Craig, uh, some terrific words. And Chris Joseph and uh, and all the other families involved in the tragedy in, uh, in Humboldt. And thank you again for your time, and we'll hook up next Wednesday. All right, Bob. Take care. You bet. That is Craig Simpson from NHL Hockey and Rogers. Some guests and orders now receive gift certificates to Japanese Village, three locations downtown, south side, north side. When we come back, Brendan Ulrich will have NHL today for elite promotional marketing more than just sportswear. This is Oilers Now. When you want to fly your Oilers colors with fan gear or outfit your fan cave, there's only one place. ProAmSports.ca Jerseys, apparel, headwear, and memorabilia from your favorite players and teams. Whether it's the NHL, the CFL, the NFL, MLB, or more, ProAm Sports are your fan cave specialists. And if it comes with a ProAm Sports Certificate of Authenticity and hologram, you know it's 100% authentic, hand-signed memorabilia. So no matter who you cheer for, ProAm Sports has got your guy. Visit their Edmonton Showroom on St. Albert Trail. Fill your fan cave at proamsports.ca. That's proamsports.ca. This is Zach Cassian from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chet. Back here on Oilers Now, Brendan Ulrich inside the 630 Ched studio as we get to NHL today, brought to you by Elite Promotional Marketing, more than just sportswear. The playoffs officially getting underway tonight. Three games on tap. We'll start with the Winnipeg Jets as they host the Minnesota Wild. Of course, no Ryan Suter in the series for Minnesota. Head coach Paul Maurice for the Jets had this to say about facing the Wild without their top defenseman. So a really important player for their team, but it would be like Dustin when he went out for our game. Taking one player out doesn't have the impact that maybe you think it does in the game, right? He's, he's a, an important piece for sure, but the quality of their game after the injury was just as good, right? They played very, very well. So it's an impact to their team without a doubt. He's the kind of guy you're going to miss, but that doesn't necessarily have to affect the team game. Yeah, I have the Jets going to the Stanley Cup. If they get there, they'll need a big performance from Mark Scheifele, who says he's going to enjoy the moment. You know, it's a fun time. You know, this is what you play all season for is to get to the playoffs. And, um, you know, you got you to enjoy it. You know, we, we play uh, a game that we love um, each and every day, and uh, you just have to enjoy every second of it. The whiteout in full effect tonight. Trouba will play for the Jets. Hendrick and Entram are out. Spurgeon will play for the Wild. We have Pittsburgh hosting Philadelphia. The Pens begin their quest for their third straight Stanley Cup. The Pens uh, swept the season series 4-0 against uh, the Flyers. Mike Sullivan would not confirm if Broussard is in tonight or not, but he is expected to play in the first ever game playoff game that is in Vegas Golden Knights history tonight as they host the LA Kings. William Carlson was not on the ice for the morning skate today, but he will play. David Perron ruled out, according to head coach Gerard Gallant. And the Condors have three games left in the regular season. They host San Jose tonight. Uh, Cooper Marodi has joined the team. No word on if he'll be in the lineup or not tonight. That's NHL Today brought to you by Elite Promotional Marketing. More than just sportswear. We'll throw to the 130 News with Eileen Bell.